0: Jennifer Stone reporting for the King's Cross Sting. I have been working on some unsolved murders, but that wasn't how we started on the King's Cross Sting. The thugs, the drug network, that was our challenge. How these druggos on King's Cross are dealing drugs and never get caught was one of our main missions how they linked into the police and what did the police think about them. We still have a high-profile drug dealer at the moment in King's Cross. I'm talking about May 2020 and still now in June. He still hasn't been caught. He drives his cars around daily from Darlinghurst to Woolloomooloo up to King's Cross, sitting at some of the most notorious cafes in history, just outside, watching the traffic, looking at eyes. Sometimes when he sees me, I think our eyes have connected. He recognises me and then he moves cafes. But he's just sitting on a phone or he talks to some people over a coffee. You wouldn't think that was a major drug dealer, but it seems to be. And he's protected because he can't come down. I hope as we go through the evidence of the King's Cross ding slowly on how the drug dealers link in to this gang that others will start to see, hang on a minute, is this lady right? Then we've got a problem. Not just a little problem, a major problem within our society on how these drunk dealers work and how they control allegedly the coppers, the judges, the magistrates, the barristers even. And when barristers are saying to you, hang on a minute, that person's protected and no one listens to you when you tell them that, this is the language that most people never hear about. They think it's honesty. is the best policy. But in King's Cross, it's the underworld and the associates and where you go for a connection. It could be just a beer. Most of these thugs moving the drugs, they don't do beers. It's more like coffees. A coffee here, a coffee there. Even within some of the hotels where the drug dealers will go. It's the alleged security guards I noticed that were moving the drugs one point at a time to certain people. It's all connected. One drug dealer deals to three others and they know them and the more it goes further down the line the less likely the big guy gets caught. But when I go to the cops with the material, they tell me, we're not after a drug dealer moving a few points. We want kilos. And that's exactly what I've brought them. The people that are moving the kilos, that cannot get caught. The King's Cross sting came about in 2011. As the thugs tried to murder us, well, it felt like that, the threats, the Kero bombs, the thinking that I'm being watched day after day, night after night. I would notice people would follow me for hours, walking as I walked around King's Cross. Once I thought, hang on a minute, that person's following me. I duck into the club and duck out another door. And then I noticed there was another, but all in the same age group, associates maybe. Some say they're the whores of the thugs. Some were men, some were women, but we were working all towards exposing something, something so big that had never been brought down in history. You start to wonder what that something big is when people keep telling you, you know, when these premises in King's Cross are searched properly by police. Weren't they searched properly, I thought? That was a lead in my mind and that was given by Sammy Sweet. You know, someone that the coppers would ring when I rang the King's Cross police to tell him what was happening. This person said he was the right-hand man for the king of the cross. But that's a self-proclaimed position and no one had bloodlines or was it the bloodline of the mafia families. Well, you don't know until you start investigating. There's no reward money to bring down a mafia and never has been done in history. There's no drug reward money to bring down a drug network that could be bringing in 30 to 50 billion a year. This Asian auntie, some call her. Others call her the Asian grandmother they work for, like mouse. He was a thug that was walking up Oxford Street. They told me, I'm happy to help you, love. But once I got him arrested, people were coming out of hotels and cafes thanking me that this person had been trying to extort protection money. You know, protection. If you don't pay me, I'll send my thugs in to terrorise your business. This was real and it still happens today. Though for most of King's Cross, the buildings are shut. And this happens because of the terrorising. People can't afford to pay the protection money and the rent. And still, even if they're not dealing drugs, they're not getting enough clientele to pay all these outward expenses in King's Cross. You know, some of these thugs, they never run a business. They just work through a business. And that's where many of the police missed it. They would wait. For people in history, you know, at the bourbon and beef, the Manson Hotel. But as one after one disappear, this gang would still congregate in King's Cross for a pickup of drugs or an order. And you started to think: well, what was the connection to King's Cross? And was I right about this subfloor compartment in a building that linked to Abe Saffron and Tilly Divine? But I'd never seen the self-proclaimed king of the cross there. Though maybe the J in the business name related. I have no idea. But some would tell me the king told me to terrorise you and others would tell me They were paid to do this. But to bring down a drug network, there's no fanfare. In America, you'd be hailed a hero, but in Australia, you're treated like dirt. King's Cross was something that Juanita loved. She loved the vibe, the brilliant lights, the flashing, the fun and follicking of the shows that she would report about within a newspaper. The newspaper now, when Eta Nelson was the editor, since 1968. And it was in 1975 on the 4th of July, Jewish Independence Day. But most of us only remember it as American Independence Day went to the carousel club. She vanished. Some say it was because of who she was exposing. Abe Saffron was questioned. He took his barrister, Wayne Barry, to the coroner's court, which would think that he had some involvement, but when you go back through, he wasn't linked to Victoria Street. But how did Frank Thiemann have enough money to build Victoria Street? These were the questions that circled my mind time and time again. I was hoping that I would be helped with history to solve a problem. Sometimes when we understand what has happened in the past, we can pick up patterns. We can pick up names and those names we can then relate to what's happening in the future. We could watch them, for instance, or see if they were still alive. Whoever had murdered Juanita Nelson was still after me and I had no idea who was the 16 dossiers that Juanita Nelson had collected the information on. She had tapes in her handbag the day she went missing. They were things that weren't widely known about. Her handbag was found, but there were no tapes. Those would be evidence to expose others that would probably be controlled by this same subfloor compartment. As I picked up the patterns within the unsolved murders, I thought it was interesting, so interesting, more so than the drug network I could see happening around me, a flick of a watch band and a point moved. They were carrying, you know, aluminium foil, heroin, you know, whatever, shots maybe, Um, past sniffer dogs and never be exposed. The sniffer dogs wouldn't even move. Hang on a minute. I would argue this point with Alex time and time again about how sniffer dogs could work sometimes and not others. And were they really exposing the drug network, for thugs? Or was it so clever that a sniffer dog could be manipulated to walk past a drug dealer? These were questions that I was looking for the answers. You know, every day I spend between 8 to 12 hours a day working on this. Not just for Juanita, for justice, but to raise so many others that are missing and there's no evidence of who murdered them. That is like protection in itself. A body goes missing and the police can't solve it because our DNA is not everywhere. They need evidence of a murder, of how a bullet's been done or how they've been murdered by strangulation, to know whether the person was a big set fella or whether it was a woman with a twenty-two hidden. But you started to think about not just the unsolved murders, but this pattern I started to uncover. That I linked to a place called like Mullet Worshipping or Black Magic, linking back to the days of Rosaline Norton to King's Cross. There I was helped for a bit by Barry Tarrow. He explained to me that he thought it was Rosaline Norton. And I still couldn't work out. I knew she wouldn't have killed Juanita. That's just a woman. And many said, Winita never came out of the carousel club. And then there were other reports. Winita walked down Roslyn Street. Oh, hang on a minute, I thought, as I read the pages. Winita walked down Roslyn Street. That was where Rosaline Norton lived. I wondered whether these were red herrings in the case or not, but the thugs that came after me were very real. Master? He kept coming back after me. I couldn't work out why. I don't do drugs, but I noticed many of these drug users didn't have cancer. And back then, that was before our poppy died of cancer. And I had been fascinated by how these people that had sh- shots of heroin could stay well on a diet of nearly no food. Loads of coffee, loads of sugar and still be living years later with abuse? These were questions that I was compelled to find the answers because I knew these answers could help so many people. You know, many people think the the pot in King's Cross is just something that needs to be, you know, legalised for some If it was legalised, it would help with stopping this drug network, the hidden power because of the money. Many will use a a pot, you know, marijuana hit, you know, snort or put it in their ice pipe and then put the ice on top. Interesting. But what did the cannabis do? Who grew it? And how could it keep turning up in King's Cross like it was by the paper bag full? 20 bucks a day I would know that Jamie would take. You know, Elle would walk up Darlinghurst Road every afternoon to get Jamie his cannabis, his pot for the night. If not, allegedly he was violent. But we know Jamie's dead now. Some say he suicided, but he was found. He went to hospital and he died there, didn't really recover. Not sad, but he was at a safe house in King's Cross where the ice would be kept. So what happened? You know, these these drug dealers never live a long life. If they cross the big Asian grandmother, just so you know, they're murdered. You don't touch her money. But I tried to tell the coppers about how the thugs were working. Where they would go, I'd watch them. They've gone to the sex shop again. They've gone to the sex shop. And the police started to follow them. These ones that had never been caught before. Blackjack, he said he'd made in three weeks $80,000 out of ice. He moved ice and he moved GHB in a big um, test tube. And yeah, like it would rock them. You know, GHB was not dear for the working girls, but it was there. And you started to think, well, how come I can see it but not the cops? I was just somebody asking a lot of questions maybe, but I was trying not to because I knew how dangerous it was. I had worked out who was involved with Juanita Nelson enough to open the case back in 2011. But it was shut down again by the chief inspector, Inspector Detective MacDonald at King's Cross Police Station because as he told me, I turned a blind eye to this. Hang on. This was a detective and he turned a blind eye to murder. He turned a blind eye to evidence. He shut the case down. But I didn't. I knew. I knew that I had found something that was very important. Juanita has not been laid to rest. She didn't deserve to be murdered. I know that. And what she was doing was a job that the police should have been doing, collecting the information on a drug network. That was linked in Kings Cross in 1975 and still to this date. The 10th of June 2020, this gang is still existing. Is that fair? Do you think we're paying all this money for police to allow this to happen? Don't you think the police should have exposed it? Or well, I've kept sending emails because Winita Nelson, there's no reward money, and she unravels this outlaw gang. I hope as you Listen to some of my podcasts or listen to others that have interviewed me that you'll start to understand I was compelled to write and compelled to expose this gang. The reward money for so many unsolved murders has hardly ever been given out. For many, it hasn't been. They're still looking for answers, just like Juanita. But I hope when we come up to some evidence of finding a bone that people will start to act and realise we need to say, hey, come on, we've got to expose this gang. Thanks for listening. Jennifer Stone reporting for the King's Cross Sting.